I want to do is take you into a study on spiritual warfare. And what we're going to do is look at three battlegrounds, the three battlegrounds where there is warfare. And I'm using Francis Frangiapan's book, The Three Battlegrounds. This is a Christian classic. It's a, an excellent book. It's been around forever. And it, uh, I'm going to be following through it. So if you'd like to read at home or do a little further study, it's The Three Battlegrounds by Francis Frangiapan. So these are the three battlegrounds we're going to be looking at and the mind, the church, and then we're going to go to the heavenlies. So tonight we're looking at the mind. We're going to then look at the church where that's a battlefield where the enemy fights us. And then we're going to look at the heavenlies where the enemy is also embattling us. But for tonight, it's the mind. That's where we're going to start. How many of you have know, known that you have a battle in your mind? How many of you know there's a war going on up here, Right? Paul says, there's a war between my flesh and my spirit, man. And the mind is the battleground. The mind is the decider as to what to do and how to pursue it. And uh, so that's what we're going to look at tonight. And so what I want you to first understand as to why this is a battlefield is that each one of us is surrounded by an enemy. Now, we say the devil made us do it, the devil's after me, Satan, and call him a liar and so forth, he is one, but you and I, in the cosmology of the universe, you and I will probably never see or run into Satan himself. Lucifer is a fallen seraphim, cherubim, he, he is the leader of the fallen demonics, and uh, he can only be in one place at one time, so I don't think he's going to be dealing with us lowly uh, people. He'll be dealing on world affairs. So how does he stay uh, informed about everybody and attacking people? Familiar spirits. Now, I would have to believe that there are not enough familiar spirits to cover all the population. Remember, only a third of the angels fell, and uh, the population of mankind is pretty large, so they, they got to be to and fro, and I think most of the time they're not going to be messing with people that are so entrenched in sin. People already entrenched in sin and fallen are already taking care of their own demise. How many of you know that? But familiar spirits will follow after us and learn what they can do to still steal, kill, and destroy the work of God in our lives. And so the battle is in our own minds and souls. Let me give you some analogies as to what the Bible says is our problem. Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified, that word Golgotha means the place of the skull. It was the place of death outside of Jerusalem where they crucified people and put them to death, and that's why it was called the place of the skull. And what I want to have you understand is that once you were in sin, in a kingdom of darkness, until you came to the revelation knowledge that the Holy Spirit gave you is that you were a sinner, and that you needed a Savior. And you looked to the cross of Jesus Christ for salvation, and in putting your faith in the cross in the Lord Jesus Christ... Your sins were cleansed and forgiven because of what Christ did for you when you put faith in it and you were born again, born from above, 
born of God, taken out of Adam because of the death of Jesus. You died with him, and you were put into Christ Jesus, made alive with him. You have a new nature, you're a new creation. But you know what? It says all things are made new, but the problem is if he literally wiped out everything you know and gave you a new mind, you would have forgotten your upbringing and everything else. So that needs to be renewed. The mind needs to be renewed. You're immediately created in Christ Jesus in your spirit, but your mind has to be transformed. And so that's the problem with you and I. The battleground is that we still have a bunch of junk in us that has to get crucified. It, the uncrucified places in our life are what need to be taken care of. Another analogy God said this in Genesis 3.19 to Adam, you are dust and you will return to the dust. We were made of dust. How many of you know that? Made out of the earth. And so we're made of dust. And what did he say that Satan would eat? You shall eat the dust. And so our, our flesh life is the dust that the enemy eats at. There's a battle going on all the time. And if we have any uncrucified parts in our life, the enemy's going to chew on that. And we have dust in our lives of a fallen uh, flesh that needs to be put to death. Remember what Jesus said about the flesh? We're to do what every day with it? Crucify it. Now you have a new nature, your nature's in Christ, but your flesh is an atom container. It still has all the, the senses and uh, uh, emotions and triggers based on the life of sin you used to live. And so it is always reacting to this world and the way you used to be, and your mind has those set patterns. And so though we're saved and secure, our mind needs to be renewed out of those things and we need to crucify the flesh daily. We need to go to Golgotha and crucify the flesh. We don't need the enemy chewing on the dust of our flesh. And the last analogy is that the devil dwells in darkness. He traffics in darkness. So whatever part of your life and your mind and your soul that still has darkness in it, just because you got saved doesn't mean there isn't still some areas of your life that you have not surrendered to Jesus. Some of you still have some dark secrets. Some of you still hold things that are unforgiving, unlovely, sinful. That's darkness, and the enemy dwells where there is darkness, God is light, and in Him no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, we must not walk uh, while we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light, as He is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from what? All sin. All sin. But we've got to walk in the light. And so I have to challenge you. Are there areas of your life that are darkness? that you've not surrendered to Christ, that you haven't crucified? Are there areas in your heart? Some of us, there's areas we don't even realize. How many of you have found a wound that you didn't even realize, an an unforgiving spirit you just didn't even realize was there until it got triggered by something? Some of you have attitudes and actions that you've you've done that you're surprised by. You realize there's some darkness there. 
So the devil dwells in the darkness. He chews on the dust of our flesh. And he comes after the uncrucified places of our life. So the question is this. Can these familiar spirits read our minds? Can they speak to us? Well, we've had some discussions at the men's group and a few other folks and times that lately it's been a question. Now, I don't think the enemy can speak into a Christian's mind. I think our mind is protected by God because if he could just speak into our mind anytime, anywhere, any place, he'd just be rattling off into our brain and we'd go nuts. So I don't believe the enemy can speak into our mind unless, unless he speaks from those strongholds of dark places where we've given entrance. Or, in fact, we haven't eradicated some of those strongholds and ideas that were from the enemy. Those continue to speak to us. Those continue to speak into our heart and mind when they are triggered because they've not been crucified to Christ. They've not been brought by the blood to be cleansed. And again, we're all working on that. We're all a work in progress. This is a constant thing in a battle that we're all working on. Can I get an amen on that? And so the enemy is after us. That's why we need the helmet of salvation, that protection to understand what salvation is. You are saved, but that salvation is working itself, sanctifying us through and through into our mind, spirit, and soul. How many of you have some attitudes that need adjusting? Enough said. We're going to go through some of these battlegrounds in our minds. There's places where the enemy has rooted, and even though you are saved, the enemy is still rooted in there speaking lies to you. And we need to extract that. We need to get rid of it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your mind was immediately sanctified at salvation like your spirit is, we wouldn't have to worry about this. But it's not. Because you'd be a vegetable if it was just immediately eradicated. So God is working on our mind, our soul, our emotions, our intellect to, so that this salvation will, will work through and through. But the question is, why is there a battlefield? It's because there are strongholds and positionings of, of demonic ideas and lies that are still lodged in us that only the truth can get rid of. That's why we've got to stay in prayer and stay in the Word. Let me give you a perfect example of how this works. We're going to go to Peter. This is before the Last Supper. Jesus is telling them about humility and how we're to serve one another. We're to be humble. We're to be servants. And in the middle of his discussion on that, the disciples argue and try to figure out who's the greatest. Geniuses, right? Can you imagine James and John? We want to sit on the right and left of Jesus' throne. We're better than all you guys. This is the 12. Now, I would imagine Peter, you know, Jesus called him the rock. Jesus said, on this rock, on your confession, Peter, you didn't come up with that. Father revealed that to you. So if Father's revealing that to me, I'm probably the greatest. 
So Jesus is trying to work into these guys while they're trying to figure out who's the greatest. He's trying to teach them that the greatest becomes the least of all. You must surrender. And so then Jesus says this to Peter, Simon, I think this is the way he said it. I don't think it was Simon, Simon. I think it was Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Well, when did that happen? When do we hear of that conversation? When do we know that Lucifer came and said to Jesus, I'm taking your man down. I demand to have him. We don't know when that happened. It happened in the spirit. It happened in the realm that we couldn't see. And so the devil comes to Jesus, or he appealed to the throne of heaven. Satan comes in and out, we see in the book of Job. And he said, Satan demanded to have you, Peter. He wants to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus is praying for all of us that same prayer. He's interceding day and night that you won't fail, that your faith won't fail. Because you know what the devil wants to do to all of us? sift us like wheat he wants us to fail and when you have turned again strengthen your brethren Peter said to him Lord I'm ready to go with both to prison or to death I would never never do that what's rising up in Peter pride the original sin there's the sifting already starting Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. You're going to deny me. Because that, he doesn't go on to explain it, but it's that pride in him. So the devil demanded to take Peter down and sift him like wheat, to test him. And where did he attack him? In his mind, with what attribute? Pride. You see, that was a stronghold in Peter. Pride was a stronghold in Peter. And the enemy used what was in him to bring him down. And that's what's happening with you and I. The enemy knows what's been planted in us through our whole life. And he uses that and speaks into our mind in those areas that we've not crucified or turned over to the Lord. This is why you and I are in a spiritual battle in our minds. We can't sow to the flesh. The flesh has to be crucified. If we give it an inch, it'll take a mile. And that's where the enemy speaks to us. So if you feel the enemy speaking into your mind, you're nothing, you're useless, you're this and that, it's because there's a lie or a wound in that. When you hear his voice, identify it and begin to ask the light to shine on that area so you can find out what the wound is so that God can heal it and you can't be sifted anymore in that area. You need deliverance from it. So what are we talking about? We're talking about strongholds. The places the enemy has established lies. You know, he starts real early with us to plant lies and to plant destruction in our lives because he does not want you to get saved. Once you got saved, he still wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't know how many of you are nature lovers, I wanted to be a forest ranger when I was a little kid. I loved the outdoors and I always wanted to learn all. 
things. And when, when you go out in the field, I don't know if you've ever seen tall reeds, and there'll be a little bubble around uh, a ball on, on, on a stem. And what that is, is, is an insect laid an egg, and that reed grew around the egg and created a ball. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to plant a lie in you so that the rest of your life will grow up around that lie and protect it. Even when you get saved, it just stays there unless you bring it to the light, unless you crucify it unto the Lord. So I don't believe these demons are talking into our brain unless they're speaking out of the lies and the strongholds that have already been there. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Now the flesh he's referring to here is, is not the sinful nature. The flesh he's talking about is the soma, the physical body. We walk in a physical body, but we're not waging war according to a physical body. The weapons of our warfare are not of a physical body, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And listen to how he says what these strongholds are. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. Those are the strongholds, arguments and opinions. How do you get lies put into you? You hear them. You perceive them. They're arguments. They're opinions that you grew up with. Hearing. You were called certain things. You believed it. He says that we have weapons to destroy arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. And we must take every thought captive to obey Christ. So there are stray thoughts that we have in our lives that are, that are rogue. They're not held captive to Christ. Have you run into any of them? I run into them quite often. And I'm sick of them. Citizens of rest. <laughs> Citizen of heaven. I, I call you out. We need to arrest them. Take them captive to obey Christ. Be ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. We need to obey Christ in all things. We can't be lax. When we are lax, the enemy has a voice to speak in and condemn. Let's take a look at what I'm talking about. What are these strongholds? Let's talk about emotional strongholds. Areas where the enemy is still rooted in some of your emotional being. Any of you have issues with anger? Rage? Maybe. You don't have to raise your hands for these things. <laughs> but how many of you find your emotions? How many of you are deceived by your emotions? I don't feel this. I don't feel that. You know, we right now live in a culture that is absolutely entrenched in emotions we elect our officials by emotions we make our purchases by emotions we decide what we're going to eat by our emotions not by what we should eat we're driven emotionally and how many of you know through our lives how many of you have had damaged emotions anybody hurt your feelings anybody absolutely devastate your emotions anybody break your heart Anybody call you an idiot, a fool, emotionally damaged? 
Is there anybody emotionally damaged here? Well, that's an area where strongholds can fester and lies can lodge. And out of those strongholds, the enemy can speak. Now, just because I'm saved doesn't mean I'm emotionally perfect or that I'm emotionally intact. I've got to renew my emotions in Christ Jesus. My love should no longer be me. It should be Him. My my passion for life, it, it, it shouldn't be for what I can gain. It's to give glory to God. There's an emotional change that has to come here. But we, we're, we're, again, stuck in a society, in a culture where we think our emotions are most important. Then how about the intellect, your reasoning, your thinking, your ideas? How do we form our ideas? What we hear, what we see on TV, the movies. We're all being led by ideas and philosophies and ideologies. That's our intellect. Many times we get rid of reason for our emotions. So I'm going to be driven by emotion. Well, if I'm not going to be driven by emotion, I'm going to be driven by reason and intellect. But are your reasonings and your intellect truthful? Are they based on reality? Or based on lies and information, misinformation? So how many of you have found that you believed the wrong thing? How many of you have ever believed a lie, only later to find out the truth? We need truth to come in to break off these lies in our intellect and in our reasoning. We're pretty damaged, how many of you know that? The whole system needs rewiring. So how do we change this intellect? You feed the truth. You have to stay in the truth. What about your will? That's your decision making. How many of you have made decisions that you're not proud of? How many of you are paying the consequences still for the decisions you've made? How many of you feel guilty over the will choice that you made? Shame and so forth. Now the Word of God will deal with that, but that's where the enemy resides. That's where he can speak out of the woundedness and in the strongholds. Do you know the arguments and opinions are ideas? Do you know that most demonic speech is just ideas? Thoughts? Do you know how many people have been murdered on this planet because of an ideology? Thoughts. Do you know how demonic? You know he's called the liar, the father of lies. Do you know what lies are? Opinions and ideas. He, he gave an opinion and an idea to Eve and the entire human race fell into sin. He's developed ideas and opinions, pretenses such as communism that has killed millions of people throughout history. Even in capitalism, the gain and the, the desire for more, to greed. Any idea can go wrong. How many of you know that? When you put it emotionally and intellectually and combine it with all the fruits of evil, pride, gluttony, and all that, it can all go wrong, can it? You see, uh, never mind, I was going to get into something, I won't. Intellect, emotions, will, and then experience. How many of you have been wounded by experiences? We've all grown up in a dysfunctional home. I know your mom and dad were the best, but they had problems. (laughs) 
and, and, and you learned them from them. And then we get married, or our friend, junior high is a, is a hotbed of bad experiences. <laughs> you know, we should just eradicate junior high. Just bring our kids out of that, that time. Take them home and care for them, and then bring them back in high school, because junior high is just murder on kids. They're horrible. You want to see a fall in nature, look at a bunch of junior high kids. They're just brutal with each other. How many of you have had bad experiences? Now, that doesn't mean that every, every emotion, every intellect, and every will and bad experience means there's a demon attached to it. I'm not saying that. But I am saying it can be as simple as a lie or a bad doctrine or false, false teaching or a wrong understanding of something. The enemy can use that. Now, when you come to Christ, the whole process of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify you through and through. What does that mean? To purify your emotions, purify your intellect, purify your will, and exchange your past experiences for new ones. That's the battle we are in. And this battle is heavy. How many of you have been oppressed by the enemy? By those thoughts, by those things that dog you? See, a Christian cannot be possessed. Possession means ownership. If you're a Christian, you are owned by Jesus Christ. You were bought with a price. You're no longer your own. You were bought by the blood of Jesus, and the Spirit of God now dwells in you. You are sealed under the day of redemption. You belong to Jesus, and you are possessed by Him. So a demon can't possess you if God possesses you. Jesus ain't going to share you with, that, with the enemy. But, a, but a, a Christian can be oppressed by a demonic. Demonic ideology, demonic thinking, and, and so forth, as what I've just been sharing with you. Now, uh, I've, I've cast out demons in Christians that are very mature, strong-believing Christians. Well, Pastor, I thought you said they couldn't be possessed. No, they're not possessed, but there is an oppression of the enemy in an area of their life that was not crucified in Christ, that was held in darkness, that, that was uh, guarded by the enemy because he had a legal right because of their belief in the lie, and the enemy would speak to them out of that. And God wants to bring light into all those areas. And, and there have been many times where by the entrance of your word comes light and a lie is broken and a demon is cast out even in a believer. That demon, it doesn't have to be like Ghostbusters, you know, green slime and, and pea soup and blah, blah, blah. It can be as simple as an idea being broken by truth. Yeah. And the restriction there. At times you, you speak to the, uh, the demonic and find out their entrance and the entrance was because of a wound and because of that wound it was able to stay there because the person believed the lie. But the truth comes in and Jesus heals and you can eradicate it and that part of their life now comes into the light through repentance and forgiveness and they're free and they won that battle. This is what Jesus wants to do with you and I every day day. Sometimes the people he sends into your life is to stir you up so that light will come into an area that's still dark and he can bring deliverance. If, could you imagine if our life was just uh, 
happy, 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 you wouldn't get delivered from half the things that are still left in you, the residue and the gunk. How many of you have ever cleaned the trap out under your sink? Don't you hate that when that little thing, right? Right, the water's, water still runs through. Life is still good. Then you pull it out and it's like, oh, what's still in there? Everything's still functioning. You know, we have a lot of fully functioning Christians, many of us battling in our minds from demonic lies and powers, restricted and hurt and wounded. That's why we spend time in worship. In worship, you're praising God and it can dislodge some of those lies of the enemy. I got a call today from a guy while I was preparing and it, pastor, he said, uh, uh, I was serving God with all my heart, all my might, and I was trashed by thinking from the enemy that I wasn't saved and this and that. And, and he, he, he said, I backslid. And he said, the, the demonic attack was so powerful. And he said, I need you to tell me what kind of a demon it was. I said, I don't know. You're on the phone. We're t- I don't know what kind of demon. No, I need to know. I need to identify it. I need to call and figure out what kind of demon. I said, that's not your problem. That demon said something to you and you believed that. We got to deal with the issue of what you believed and strengthen it by the word of truth so that any- he can push your buttons and it isn't going to do anything. So I don't know what kind of demon it was. But he was so, no, I have to know. And he was chasing after the wrong thing. We just need to know what's going on. Do you know the enemy has armor? What we have to understand are the wiles and the schemes of the enemy. How is he attacking in your mind? Again, let me remind you, if there's an area that the enemy is speaking to you about, if there's guilt and shame, Some of you are wrestling with guilt and shame from the past. Now, Jesus has cleansed you and forgiven you, and you know that here in your head. But the wound is not letting go, and the enemy has built a stronghold there and is speaking out of that wound to you. And we need to bring that to the light. You need to experience and understand that you are forgiven. There is no shame any longer. The blood washes you from all sin. That's what the Bible told us tonight. And you've got to get that revelation. Jesus needs to speak that light into that area. It says this in Luke 11, when one stronger than he, he goes, if you want to take a strong man's house, you have to go into the strong man's house and you have to be stronger than the one, than him, and attack him and overcome him and take away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. So I want you to see what the armor of the enemy is. We know the armor of God. How many of you know the armor of God? Right? Helmet of salvation to protect your mind so the enemy can't get into your mind. But if he's already there once you're saved, you've got to get it eradicated by the light and revelation. So we have the helmet of truth, right? The helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the rightness of God through Jesus Christ is given to us. It's not that I'm righteous. Christ has given me his righteousness. Then a belt of truth to understand and feet readied with the gospel of peace. A shield of faith and a sword of the Spirit, which is the truth of God's Word. That's how we combat the enemy. But how many of you know there's problems inside that armor? It's you. You're inside the armor. So we've got to get that war fought inside us. Let's take a look at how the enemy works. Instead of a helmet of salvation, he's got a helmet of confusion. God's not the author of confusion. 
The enemy is distracting. He's, he's doing all sorts of things to your mind and your understanding of the Word. How many of you tonight are confused over the Word of God? When you try to read it, you have such difficulty. And if that's where you are, I want to pray for you tonight. That, that spirit of confusion comes off to your mind. Because God wants you to understand His Word, and the author who wrote it lives in you. And so there may be some stronghold that the enemy is saying you can't understand it, and that's a lie. The enemy wants to confuse. The breastplate of pride. That's what the enemy wears, pride. It was the original sin. I will ascend higher than God. It's the pride of life. And so many people get caught in the pride, and that's the enemy. He wants you to think you're more than you are. The belt of lies. Jesus gives us a belt of truth, but how does the enemy traffic? Lies. Lies. Lies about yourself. Lies about what people think about you. The feet of a thief. He comes as a thief. To kill, steal, and destroy. That enemy is trying to rob you of the joy of your salvation. He's trying to steal from you every blessing God has given and every truth you've learned. You remember the parable when the sower cast the seed and what happened? The crows came and ate it and took it as soon as they could. Some of you can't retain the Word of God. It keeps getting stolen from you. Some of you can't maintain and keep the blessings of God. They keep getting stolen from you. We want to break that pattern out of your The shield of unbelief. Some of us have such a hard time believing. And I don't know what that's rooted in. Maybe you've been disappointed so many times. Another disappointment. You can't believe the promises of God. That's based on a wound. I can't trust this father because I couldn't trust my own. The sword of fear. This is how the enemy works. He wants to cripple you with fear. Look at what he has. He wants to bring confusion, lift you up in pride, share lies with you continually to steal from you the good things of God so that you walk in unbelief and fear. That's the enemy's armor. That's the fight within those strongholds and areas of our mind. Okay? They're ideas. They're precepts. So get rid of the idea of, you know, green goblins and, and, and weird imps and this and that. They're ideologies and lies. They have a voice in you that comes up over and over. How many of you know Jesus wants you delivered? Yes. You will be delivered. That's what he wants. How are we going to do it? Paul told us, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, this is serious. Here's the biggest problem in the Christian church. We refuse to elevate the Word of God more important than our own thoughts. Until you believe this is more right than your opinion, until you believe this is more right than what you know, that you'll trust this above your own thoughts, above your own emotions, and above your own thinking. If you won't do that, you'll never beat the enemy. You have got to so believe in this word. 
God has gotten me out of pits of despair and depression when I couldn't emotionally or even reasoning in my own mind see a way out. I had to begin believing this was true despite what I feel and despite my situation. This is true. I'm going to say it. I'm going to believe it. And it brought me out. You've got to get serious about this. You're, you're, so many people, like the guy on the phone, man, he just wanted a deliverance. If I could just get rid of this demon and I could name him, we could get rid of him, then I'd be fine. And I tried to tell him, no, you won't. The problem is the weakness of your flesh. You can get rid of that demon and another one will come along and deal with the same issue. It's a root issue in the uncrucified part, in the flesh of our lives. The enemy eats on the dust of man. Wherever there's an area of darkness, we must bring it to the light. You must walk in the light. So we have to bring every thought captive. When you have a thought, you say, Jesus, is this from you? Is this qualified as the Word of God? Does it bless you? Does it honor you? If it doesn't, capture it and put it in jail. Amen? He goes on, he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know how you and I are conformed? There's, there's two conformings going on here. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. But the world and the devil is trying to conform you to lies and the world's ideas. If we spend more time engaging in the entertainment of this world, the information and the news of this world, all that the world has to give us, we're going to be conformed to the world. It's really simple. What you sow to, you'll reap. Sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. Sow to the spirit, you'll reap life. More, most Christians entertain themselves with the world's entertainment. We have got to get to a place where we say, that is sick. Most of the men addicted to pornography right now prefer pornography over glorifying Jesus Christ. Well, no, pastor, it's a weakness. Yes, it's a weakness. Of course it's a weakness. But until you hate it, David prayed, God, I want to hate my sin. Until you hate it, you're going to keep chewing on it. We've got to come to a place to despise it. I won't go there anymore. Men get so easily hooked on pornography because of their eyes. We're wired that way. It's such an addiction. And until you realize and make a vow with your eyes, I will not desecrate this temple with that stuff. You've got to get serious about it because you're reaping. You're still reaping from that sin. Women's pornography. Now, women are into pornography too, uh, unfortunately, nowadays. But most women's pornography is of the ears. Got to hear. Need to hear this little tidbit. Do you know what she said? Do you know what he said? Yeah. 
And again, it's, it, you know, for those who say it's, oh, these men who look at pornography, and it is wrong, yes, 100%, you got to hate it. It's equally the, the thing of, the, what are you ladies listening to? What are you talking to each other about? And about others. Maybe that doesn't apply to anybody here. But we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind because you and I have all our lives been conformed to this world. And if we're conformed to this world, those are strongholds and lies the enemy put in us that Jesus is working overtime to eradicate, but we keep going back to the vomit. Even though we're saved. God wants you free. How many times do you weep and cry, oh God, get me out of this situation? He says, I have, like the last 20 times. And you've gone back. Because you keep believing that voice that is a lie. Bring it to the light. Capture it. Capture it. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We use this verse all the time. The second half. Resist the devil. All you got to do is just resist that devil. You can't resist the devil until you do something first. Submit to God. If you're unsubmitted to God, he's not going to flee. There are areas in our mind, in our emotions, in our wills, in our intellect, and in our experiences that we will not submit to God. We had a prophecy tonight saying that. Did you hear it? There are things in your heart that you've not brought to me. All right, that wasn't a plant. That was the plan of just as the Holy Spirit. So we have got to submit ourselves first to Jesus. That means in everything. You were bought with a price. You are no longer your own. Therefore glorify God in your bodies because you are a living sacrifice to God. Now it's taken me a long time to get to a level that I'm at now. I've had a lot of junk in my life I've had to work through. I still got a mess to work through, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. How about you? I want you to be able to say that. We're on this journey together. This battle is in the brain. Let's start submitting to God, surrendering to Him, and be a sacrifice. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Jesus wants you free. He's not condemning you. You're already condemning yourself. He's speaking of his freedom for you if you'll bring it to the light. He already knows it's there. You've got to be honest with him. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The love of God, the punishment was already given at the cross for sin. Now he's loving you through and through out of sin. Are you getting the battle? The victory over Satan was won by the death of Jesus with no warfare or rebuke. Jesus didn't go to war. He didn't fight the devil. Jesus didn't rebuke the devil. You know what he did? Submitted to the Father in love and on the cross gave his life for us in obedience to the Father. And what did it do to the enemy? Crushed him. Made an open show of him. 
We're so busy fighting the devil. If we would submit to God our brokenness, the lies, and have the light come in, spend time on your face, spend time in worship, break through while we're singing, offer yourself to God. And these things that are strongholds, these voices of the enemy will be broken by the love of God in Christ. I conclude with this. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them that they're of their destruction. But, but of your salvation and that from God. I, I discovered this verse today. I think it was just put in last week. I've never read it before. <laughs> Can we get to such a place of loving God that we are not afraid of the enemy? Can you get to such a place where you have such peace with God, you're so secure in understanding who He is, the minute you sin, you're revealed to God, Father, help me. You're so repentant, you're so humble, you walk in the light, everything in the light, you hold nothing from the Lord. You're not afraid of anything, and guess what? You're not afraid of anything the opponent's going to do. I ain't afraid of you. And that's a clear sign to them of their destruction. How many demons are so upset tonight because you're going to offer everything to God? You're going to confess everything up to Him. And He's going to show you something and you're going to act on it. That's what God wants. Everything surrendered to Him in humility. Let's bow our heads. God, we pray right now for deliverance. I pray for every lie that has exalted itself. I pray for every wound that has spoken to us. I pray for the deliverance of every demonic idea that is speaking in our heads right now. Anybody here that thinks Jesus doesn't love them, that's a lie. Anybody here that thinks you're not worthy to be loved by God, that's a lie. Anybody here that doesn't think God answers prayer or hears your prayers, that's a lie. There's a root, there's a demonic, there's a reason that that's in there. Ask Jesus to shine a light right now on it. Jesus, I'm asking you to take the light and shine it in every part of our mind, our intellect, in my emotions. Shine a light throughout my whole emotional being. Anything that's out of sync with you, out of step, reveal it so that I can bring it to the cross and crucify it right now. No more strongholds in my heart. My experience doesn't dictate what is true to the Word of God. Deliver your people. Father, I pray for a spirit to flow right into our minds right now where that battlefield is. That we would no longer yield to the flesh, but yield to the Spirit of God in us. That we would be free in Jesus' name.